Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Everything is Interesting. I'm co-host Kira, and on the other line is co-host Kira. Kira, hi. Yay, hi, Kira. Hi, um, I miss you guys. Oh, I know. We miss you, too. You'll be back in studio soon, though, right? Yeah, see, like, ne- well, maybe not next week, Thanksgiving, but the week after that, yes, I will see your beautiful, shining faces. That's right. Next week is Thanksgiving, everybody. Did you realize that? In exactly one week, we will all be sitting around the table, feasting our faces off. I'm excited. I don't know about you. Jefferson, are you doing anything fun for Thanksgiving? I don't know. I've been thinking that Thanksgiving is a time for the country to either be able to be prepared for or even to force some necessary discussions among family members who ought to have healthy conversations about, yes, politics this Thanksgiving season. And I'm trying to think about the topics that would be best to bring up. So that's not for right now, but that's what I'm thinking about. We have some other topics that you could talk about at the table. <laughs> Let's do it. Science that's topics. exactly why we did this section. Exactly. This segment, actually. Yeah, there's, um, there's tons and tons of fun food science. We can't fit it all into this segment. But um, first question for you, Jefferson, is are you buying a turkey this year? I think that I am not purchasing the turkey. I think I'm going to Grandma's house. I think we're going to... Grandma's buying the turkey. Yeah, I think I think uh, I do a Gotta segment lean called on Grandma, huh? Well, it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> Meredith, uh, Meredith, my stepmother, my mother's passed away. Uh, and, and Dad Meredith will be hosting. And I think I'll have t- turkey over there. And I think maybe then I might also get a second bit of turkey with my wife's family. Do you think that it will be a brined turkey? I sure hope so. Yeah, why? Because yummier. Yummier? Do you know why it's yummier? Because it's salty. Oh, you know what grinding means? I assume. <laughs> that correct and, answer. I guess that uh, wasn't the answer I was expecting. And because of science. That's the right answer. Because of science. I love it. Well, brining the turkey, I feel like that has become quite a popular thing for people to do, but I'm not sure if people really know why they're brining the turkey, but it's a fun thing to bring up in conversation. So the the, the common theory about brining is that um, there's, you know, there's something, well, osmosis is not a, a theory, but the, the theory is that by putting your turkey in a brine, osmosis is happening and water is going into your turkey. Um, but I was having some doubts about that, so I researched it. And Are you I'm, about to debunk the, the, the turkey brining scandal? No. Okay. <laughs> no, are you gonna, it, it does Are you going to bunk claims. it? Are you going to bunk it? <laughs> this just in. Um, yes, I'm, <laughs> you know what, I, I'm going to do something sort of in between because there is osmosis at play, but it's not quite the way that you think it is. Um, osmosis is basically this, this strange phenomenon where it's water... transmission of go. water through a semipermeable membrane. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> Jefferson's done. done. <laughs> End of show. <laughs> so, so it never really made sense to me because if... If you want water to go into the turkey, you would think that putting your turkey in a bath of just regular water with no salt in it would cause the water to go into the turkey where you have more solutes, you have more salt. But what I found out was that the salt in the brine, it does sort of the same thing that like curing a ham does. It it starts to break down the proteins because proteins are, you know, they have this very particular structure and they're very tightly uh, sort of stacked together, but salt starts to break down that structure a little bit, and then also because salt is really, it's very polar. It has a very strong high negative and positive side. When it starts to coat the protein, the proteins 
repel each other like magnets, and that gives you space for the water that you've been brining your turkey in to kind of soak into in between the the proteins and uh, make your turkey more juicy. Delicious. Yum. Yeah, we're texting, I'm getting so hungry. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Mm, I know. It is also probably brunch time. So, Well, um, okay, so some other things that you might be eating at the table. You're probably going to be slathering all sorts of fats on all of your foods at Thanksgiving, right? Like you're going to have bacon, Hmm. lard, butter, all that stuff. Um, And I don't know, do you happen to know the difference between a saturated and an unsaturated fat? Yeah, because the saturation is, is, uh, the saturated ones are saturated. They are. And the unsaturated don't have have that. They don't have that. I and think I'm just going to explain things like that science, from now on. Because of science. They don't have that. These do. End of story. Well, okay. So a saturated fat. Well, let's let's back up. Let's back up and talk about what fat actually is. So a fat is a big, huge, long molecule. Um, it's called a lipid. It's also kind of um, lumped in this group of molecules called triglycerides. And it's basically a long chain of carbon atoms bonded together. And then there are hydrogen atoms bonded to each of those carbon atoms. And in, I think it looks like a centipede. It does. It does. Yeah. It looks very prehistoric. I mean, I guess it is. They've been around for a while. It'd be before history. <laughs> before history. Um, anyways, and so then it also, so it looks kind of like a centipede. And then a, generally a fat, the ones that we're most familiar with, they, they have what's kind of like a framework piece. Like th- a three carbon chain called, I believe it's called a glyceride. I could be wrong there. Um, and it has three fatty acid chains coming off of it. So now you can think of it like three centipedes sort of biting onto a framework and they're all trailing behind. So these carbon chains, um, they, if, they're sa- if it's a saturated fat, the carbon chains are saturated completely with hydrogens. So that means the maximum amount of hydrogen atoms are bonded to the carbon atoms. So they end so up like looking... like a centipede with all of its legs. Yeah, all of its legs straight. Like the, the whole molecule kind of is nice and straight, nice and stable. Um, and that's why saturated fats actually are solid at room temperature because all of those molecules, they kind of stack very neatly as well as they're very stable because of all those bonds to the hydrogen. So it's kind of like a bunch of pipe cleaners lined up in a shoebox, right? You can fit quite a few of them in, and they stack really neatly together. Whereas an unsaturated fat is one... You can fit a lot of pipe cleaners you in get, a shoebox. I mean, I guess it depends on the shoe size. <laughs> Most of them. Most the of the pipe, the pipe cleaners. That's, that's next week's episode. Right. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. pipe <laughs> cleaners in a shoebox. Um, okay, so the unsaturated fat, that you have these long carbon chains. Um, but carbon, there's a carbon atom and there's hydrogen atoms. The carbon atoms can also bond to themselves or each other, I should say. So a carbon and a carbon can create what's called a du- double bond. So if they do that, then it, it eliminates the opportunity to bond with the hydrogen, and it also kind of creates a kink in our centipede pipe cleaner analogy. So which is and more yummy? Like, and then mm. it's like a centipede that lost its leg, and then it kind of walks with a limp where its leg is missing. Yeah, it and kind it's of kind of distorted and, and funny shape and everything, and, and that's an unsaturated fat, so it's not saturated with hydrogen atoms. Which is more yummy? Uh, well, it depends. If you like olive oil, which is an unsaturated fat, or butter, which is a saturated fat. What about um, Crisco? Butter. Cri- oh, God, what is Crisco? I don't <laughs> even know the, what that, Crisco, Crisco is. Crisco is saturated Crisco fat. It's, it's very saturated It's like the fat. most, sat- I believe that's what it is, right? I believe that's like the pure, it's like, you know, like salt is pure salt, sugar is pure sugar. I believe what Crisco is is pure saturated fat. I think it's, <laughs> that's its purpose. That's it. Pure it's just pure. I think, that's what it, I think that was its first name, was saturated fat. And people said, well, how about Crisco? And that's how the marketing people... <laughs> That sounds better. <laughs> well, how about Crisco? Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, so the structures of these fats also contribute some really interesting properties of them. So, um, for instance, I don't know if you've heard that saturated fats uh, have a less 
tendency to go rancid than unsaturated. So like yeah, Crisco lasts forever. Beef is more stable on the shelf than chicken because beef has more saturated fat. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because uh, when something goes rancid, it's because when um, let's say you have that unsaturated fat with those exposed carbons double bonded to each other. Well, it kind of it creates this space that allows other reactive molecules around it, like oxygen, for instance, to kind of butt in and interact with those carbons. Um, normally, the hydrogens would kind of create a barrier around the molecule. Uh, and then oxidation can occur, and it can break up the chains of uh, fats and cause them to kind of uh, break apart into these small volatile fragments. Which break changes, the chains. Yeah, it, it changes their aromas and their taste and all this kind of stuff. So, so um, never let your centipede lose a leg, I think. Right, yeah. If there's the anything the you take here. away, the, the more legs on a centipede, the healthier it is. Ooh, mm-hmm. ooh, well, not that saturated fats are all that healthy, but for humans, I should say. Nonetheless. Anyways. So that that's a little tidbit if you if you feel like talking about butter. If someone so walks cooking in. so cooking apparently is energy transfer. What's the science behind cooking? What I know is fire, which is prehistoric science. Fire is oh energy. yeah, combustion is its own science. Um, I think the really easy answer to that question is that cooking is changing the molecular structure of your food. So that can come to light in in a lot of different ways. Um, but yeah, so, so the basic idea... Can I pause for a second? So I think what you just said is that whereas brining just like puts molecules that are already there, you know, kind of in different order, you know, and, and, and puts, you know, slathers on some molecules on top of some other molecules, what cooking does is actually change molecular structure. Am I getting that right? Keep talking. Yes. So uh, you, you can, can say I'm stupid. That brining fine. is changing the molecular structure also because oh. you have proteins. In order for proteins to work, oh, proteins, we could do a whole show on that. In order for proteins to work, you have to have a very specific order of the way the atoms are lined up. But then, because of the way the atoms are lined up, they then twist around each other. Like, remember, remember telephones? <laughs> remember when we used to have telephones? I remember telephones. <laughs> telephones with cords, you mean? Like the little yeah. stringy cords? So, telephones have those curly Q cords. And if you remember, you could twist them but then they would sort of themselves twist even more and they could you could get these like secondary and tertiary twists well that's very much like what a protein is and if a protein isn't in that structure then it doesn't it can't perform its function so the idea of like changing a molecular structure is complicated but we'll just move right past that and say that when you're cooking food you're you're adding energy to what is otherwise a fairly stable environment. Like, you don't typically get chicken that just, like, spontaneously explodes in the refrigerator unless maybe you're Sigourney Weaver in Ghostbusters. For the most part, your food isn't exploding. Yeah, there's actually energy being transferred. Oh, I was going to say, it's all energy transfer because energy energy and heat are one and the same. Right, right. So it takes energy to break up these bonds. So let's take a water molecule. You've, you've got your hydrogen and your oxygen, and, and they are fairly stable. They really like each other. They like sharing their electrons, and so they're going to stay together. And so in order to break them apart, if you want that oxygen and hydrogen to be separated from each other, you have to apply some energy. And in the form of cooking, you're Applying, I don't actually think you could apply enough energy to break apart hydrogen and oxygen, but we're just, you know, we're just That's called out. nuclear fission, right? <laughs> well, I don't know what you're cooking your turkey in. 
Ooh, the, the new way. Well, do you guys want to play like a little game that we put together? I love games. Uh, so it involves the three types of heat transfer. So I'll go over it really quick. Where it's, it's it's not a super exciting game, but it's where we get to figure out, kind of puzzle out together what um, what types of heat transfer happen in different kinds of cooking. So there's baking, there's grilling, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so real quickly, the three different ways that heat or energy can transfer from one thing to another. You might remember this from fifth grade. Um, conduction is the first one. Conduction. And that's when you have thermal energy or heat, which is transferred directly from one particle to another particle by a direct collision. So, so what like, kind of thing does that do? What, that, what makes that happen? Well, that's what we're going to guess. Oh, sorry. So, so that's conduction, right? So that's like if I was really like full of all this energy and I ran into you, Jefferson, and you took all my energy. And then you took it off to another particle when you ran into them. Okay. Uh, like con- dodgeball. Convection, <laughs> I think of it like dodgeball. <laughs> like dodgeball. Convection yeah. is another form where um, it has to be in a fluid. So something that can flow. And that's the transfer of heat as molecules move through a fluid. So that can be a gas, that can be a liquid, and that's just basically imagine like a lot of hot particles. Um, as they flow, they're going to carry that heat with them as they expand out into that fluid. Um, and then the final... vapor moving upwards to the sky to become a cloud. Yes, remember last week? Watson, callback. Uh, and the third and final one is radiation, and that is just straight electromagnetic waves, like radio waves or microwaves, that don't need any kind of matter to transfer. They just go straight through empty space. Um, and they transfer energy directly that way. So, um, knowing those things now, um, Jefferson, what do you think, what kinds of methods of heat transfer does baking use? I'm going to guess baking is conduction. And why? Because it sounded like two people running into each other. (laughs) Because I think, because as I was breaking it down, here's what I was thinking, was that convection, that sounded like boiling. Uh, Radiation sounded like a microwave oven, and uh, that left the other one, which was conduction, so I'm guessing that's the baking one. Ooh, actually, baking is convection. Darn it! Convection is why we call them convection ovens. Um, It's also a little bit of radiation. I hate playing the straight man. He doesn't know anything. You're playing the devil's advocate. It's good. It's good. No, the devil's advocate is when you disagree with something. The the (laughs) dummy is when you don't know something. Well, think about it. I appreciate your kindness. You take your pumpkin pie, right? You stick it in your oven. I'm playing devil's advocate with your description of me as the devil's advocate when I don't know something. So you're just the devil? Oh. No, I'm just a All right, well, so you put your pumpkin pie in the oven, and then you've got radiation coming from the heating element and also off the walls as those get hot, too, that kind of heats up that pumpkin pie. But you also have convection at work because inside that oven is, is trapped air. It's a trapped gas. And as that gas heats, it, it, it's, it acts like a fluid, and it moves around your food, carrying the heat with it and kind of slowly cooks it from the outside in. So conduction That's why you is don't boiling. open your oven when you're baking a cake. Exactly. You lose all of your heat. So, okay, but here's, here's one. I'm sure you'll get this, Jefferson. How about boiling or simmering? What kind of, is it convection? Is it conduction? Is it radiation going on there? I'm hoping it's convection. Kira, you want to make him Give sad or make him cry. happy? Yes! <laughs> it is convection. You're right. Probably the most That's classic me. form. Yeah. This is a fun game. Keep going. Okay. How about steaming? <laughs> Steaming. I'm going convec. I'm just. I'm, I'm. I'm letting it roll with. Oh, it's steaming. Are you just going to say convection for everything? I might. You're going to ruin sort, this game. It's sort of like when you play. <laughs> it's sort of like when I took the German achievement test when I was drunk and uh, as a high school student, and I knew I needed to take a third achievement test, and I just took German because I knew I'd get them all wrong, so I just answered like E for all of them. Right. That's what my. There's I'm, some probability to that. I'm, I'm rolling. I'm rolling. I think I actually went C or D, but uh, but I'm going to go. I'm going convection. 
Okay, it is convection, but there is also one other interesting um, heat transfer Yeah, that that we didn't mention, which Mm -hmm. is um, the energy transfer of vapor condensation. So in the simplest of terms... I was going to say that, but you didn't (laughs) make that one of my options. In the simplest of terms, when uh, some substance changes state, so like water moving from a liquid to a gas getting heated and turning into steam, it um, requires a lot of energy to change that state. And so as that water changes back down from a gas to a liquid, it releases that energy. So that energy releases out um, during steaming as vapor condensation energy. So trick question. Which is wacky. I didn't know that until this morning. I I didn't know it till last night either. (laughs) All right. So what's the next one? Uh, Okay. uh, How about pan frying? I'm going conduction. Ding, ding. Good job. Boom. I'm three out of four right now. This isn't over. And you're listening to KXRY Portland, 107.191.1 FM. I'm Jeff. I'm three out of four. That's 75%, which is a C. But with modern grade inflation, who the heck knows what it is? Did you just call yourself Jeff? I've never heard you call yourself Jeff. I don't know. We're getting to you, I guess, with this I didn't want to take too much of your time. Okay, so let's let's do do microwave. Let's do microwave. Radiation. Absolutely. Is radiation, can I please tell you how a microwave works? Because it is so interesting. It's the easiest. You put the thing in, you set it for a time. Sometimes it push even says button. like popcorn button and you don't even know how, <laughs> you know how much time it is. Right? I push that button and then it goes. It is definitely the easiest to operate, but that's oh. not because of radiation. That's because oh. the people who designed microwave ovens spent a really long time designing them. Um, so microwaves, it, they sound really scary, and I think we sort of live in this culture where everyone has been like, oh, microwaves, they're terrible for you, the radiation. As Kira said earlier, radiation is just energy. I mean, when you stand in the sun, you're getting radiation. So <clears throat> what's really cool is that, you know, radiation, which is this electromagnetic wave, it has an effect on magnets. And like we said earlier, a water molecule is polar. It has a very positive side and it has a very negative side. And I'm trying to think of an experiment. I I know I did this as a kid, but I can't quite think of what the experiment is called when you have like a round magnet and you put another magnet towards it and it kind of flips back and forth really, really fast. I've done that. I've seen that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yep. (laughs) I think that's how like superconductors work. But anyway, go ahead. Send a microwave, like a, not a microwave oven, but the actual microwave through your food. I mean, your food is full of water, right? Everything we eat is, has water content to it. So what happens is that water molecule, which is really polar, it flips back and forth really, really fast. And so that, because heat is motion, right? So when you talk about something being hot, what you're saying is that the molecules of that thing are in motion. In one way. And, and so... That flipping back and forth of your water molecule, as far as I understand it, I'm not inside a piece of food in a microwave, but this is what I understand. Flips back and forth, whacks into the other molecules. The other. I think molecules that's why. I think that's moving. why a popsicle doesn't. It, 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 popsicle doesn't really work that well in a microwave. Like it's hard to melt it because 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 it's frozen. The water molecules aren't moving, so it's not heating up. Uh, eventually, a popsicle will, of course, melt in a microwave. But uh, but initially, popsicles are pretty microwave uh, resistant. Contrary also to popular belief, microwaves don't heat food from the inside out. They heat them just like normal cooking from the outside in. They just have a deeper penetration than normal. What about heat. my head if I put it inside the microwave? Where is that inside well, out? Well, you wouldn't be in? able to operate the microwave for one because, you know, there's fail-safes. In what there. about the standing close to it? Does it give you cancer? Ah, see, interestingly enough, so all radiation has the potential to give you cancer because, you know, if you go and stand in the sun for too long, that what, can give you using cancer, an iPhone. right? What microwaves, using an iPhone. microwaves actually have, um, are less powerful than 
the invisible light waves than sunlight waves. So in terms of the amount of power they have, they're, they're, they're less. They're pretty puny, I would say. Um, and, and also... microwaves are coated with a, a, a wire mesh all yes. the way around. And it's really interesting. The, the holes in the wire mesh, I think, are like one millimeter big or something. I can't really find my data right now, but let's pretend. Um, so the, the microwaves have such long... Like if you think about light waves, right, you've got... Uh, radio waves are huge, like the size of a tower. Well, microwaves are too big. I think they're like 20 millimeters long or something, but they can't really fit through the holes of the mesh. But the reason you can see in when you're looking into a microwave is because visible light waves have a much smaller uh, wavelength. Than so that. those microwaves are trapped inside. They're not going to get to your face. Kira and Kira, thank you so much. That's Everything is interesting here on X-Ray. We want to say thank you so much to all of our listeners. Thank you, Kira and Kira, for being here. Thanks so much for having well, us. Actually, thank you, thank Kira, you. for being here. And thank you, Kira, for being on She's the phone. She's here. She's here with us.